Hi, and welcome to Sleep Tight Relax. A short message for grown-ups. If you get value from our stories, please consider subscribing to Sleep Tight Premium. It's a bit like having a library full of bedtime stories at your fingertips. Along with sleep sounds, guided meditations, and music for sleep, we help you make sleep time easier and hopefully bring joy and calm to your children. Visit sleeptightpremium.com to subscribe. A link can also be found in our show notes. Thank you. Hi there. And welcome to this episode of Sleep Tight Relax. Sounds, music, and stories for calming busy minds. In this episode, Cheryl will be continuing with part two of The Flower Princess, taking us on a trip to visit the princess's beautiful flower gardens. It's a simple story, perfect for these less than simple times. Now, as we begin to relax, let's make sure you have a suitable environment for comfort. Find your quiet place where you can sit or lay down on your bed. This should be somewhere you won't be disturbed. If you are ready for sleep, snuggle under your covers, position your pillows or your other little comforts, and get cozy. Close your eyes and take a few deep breaths, remembering to breathe through your nose and out through your mouth. Take your time and breathe as slowly as you can. Focus on making your breathing slow and conscious. Use a very delicate inhalation, as if sniffing perfume or flowers, or like me, I love to smell the scent of pine in the woods. Take a slow, Deep breath in, then hold, and slowly let the air out. As you continue to do this, tune into the faint sound of your breath 
as the air enters and leaves, your sense of smell, touch, and hearing are alert. Try it again. Take a slow, deep breath in, then hold ever so slightly, then exhale, letting the air slowly escape your lungs. Continue to do this exercise as many times as you feel comfortable, visualizing the surroundings of the princess's flower garden with all its pungent smells and the sounds of birds and bees. I hope you have a deep and restful sleep. The Flower Princess, Part 2. The next morning, at the same hour, Joyful was wandering through the paths of the garden, seeking his flower maiden. He looked for her first, near the arbor of morning glories, but Florette was not there. He had to search far and wide before he found her at last in quite another part of the garden, among the lilies. She wore a white lily in her yellow locks. Ah, cried Joyful when he spied her, it is a lily today. But yesterday I thought I guessed your favorite flower. Now I find that I was wrong. Surely, this is your choice. So fair, so pure, a princess herself could choose no better. Florette smiled brightly at him, shaking her hair from side to side in a golden shower. One cannot so easily read my thoughts as he may suppose, she cried saucily. Dear maiden, said Joyful, coming nearer and taking her hand, I have no wonderful garden like this where I can invite you to dwell as its little princess. But come with me, and we will make a tiny one of our very own, where no one shall forbid us at any hour, and where we will play at being prince and princess, 
as happy as two butterflies. But Florette shook her head and said, No, I cannot leave the garden and my princess. She could not live without me. I shall dwell here always and always, so long as the flowers and I are a-blooming. Then I, too, must live here always and always, declared Joyful. Perhaps the princess will take me for her minstrel or her man of medicine. Anything that will keep me near you so that we can play together here in the garden. Would that please you, little flower? Florette looked thoughtful. I should be sorry to have you go, she said. You love the flowers so dearly. It would be a pity. Yes, indeed, I love them, cried Joyful. Let us then go to the princess and ask her to keep me in her service. The princess looked long at Joyful, and at last she said, How do I know what manner of minstrel you are? I cannot take you to her without some promise of your skill, for she is a princess who cares only for the best. Come, let us go into the wilder part of the garden where no one can hear us, and I will listen to your music. So they went into a wild part of the garden and sat down under a tree beside the little brook. And there he played and sang for her such sweet and beautiful music that she clapped her hands for joy. And when he had finished, he said, Well, dear maiden, do you think I am worthy to be your lady's minstrel? Have I the skill to make her happy? Truly joyful, you have made me very happy, and you are a prince of mistrels, she answered. Yet, I cannot tell. That is not enough. But wait, I hear the chapel bell. I must hasten back to the palace. Tomorrow, I will come again and listen to another song. Meanwhile, do not try to see the princess. I care not for the princess. I, he called after her, so long as I may see you, little flower. And for an answer, her laughter came back to him over the flowers. So that day went by, and early the next morning, Joyful took his lute and sought the flower maiden in the garden. This time, he sought her long and long before he found her among the roses. There was a crimson rose in her hair and one upon either cheek when she glanced up, hearing his footsteps on the grass. There was also a crimson spot upon her white hand See, she cried, a cruel thorn has pricked me. Let me test your skills in herbs, Sir Doctor. With a sorry face, 
for it gave him pain to see her pain. Joyful ran to find the leaf of a certain plant which he knew. Presently he returned, and taking a bit of linen from his bag, tenderly bound the leaf about the poor, wounded finger. Now will it be cured, he said. This is a remedy which never fails. How wise you are, murmured Florette, a very prince of doctors. Say, may I not then hope to be the doctor of the princess? He asked eagerly. But Florette shook her head. We must see how the finger is tomorrow morning. If it is quite healed, then perhaps. But wait, that is the gardener's whistle. It is late, and I must return to the palace, or he will find us trespassing. And away she ran, before Joyful had time to say another word. Now, when the next day arrived, Joyful sought Florette in the garden long and long. But at last he found her among the lavender. Her finger, indeed, was healed, so that she smiled at him and she said, Now you shall teach me to play the lute. The princess, I know, would certainly master the lute. But I must see first what sort of teacher you make before I take you to her. So they sat down beside a marble fountain in the fairest part of the garden. And there Joyful taught her how to pluck the lute and to make sweet music. He taught her so well, and they passed the time so pleasantly that they forgot how the hours were flying. Joyful, you are the very prince of teachers, said Florette. At that moment, a shadow fell upon the grass beside them, and lo, there stood the head gardener, who had heard the sound of the music, and had hurried to see who might be in the princess's garden at this forbidden hour. The princess gave a little cry, and without a word slipped away through an opening in the hedge that she knew before the gardener had a chance to see her face. Huh, grunted the gardener. She has escaped, whoever she is, but we shall soon know her name. You shall tell us that and other things, you minstrel fellow. That I will never tell you, cried Joyful. Huh, we shall see about that too, retorted the gardener. You shall not escape, sir. I will take you to my lady, the princess, and you will have a chance to explain how you came to be here playing the lute in her garden at a forbidden hour. Come along. And he advanced to seize Joyful by the collar. He was a huge, burly fellow, almost a giant in size. But Joyful said, Keep back, gardener, and do not attempt to lay hands on me. I promise to follow wherever you may lead, but you shall not touch me to make me your prisoner. Ha! Huh, a valiant minstrel, sneered the gardener. 
but he looked twice at the stranger's flashing eyes and at his strong right arm and decided to accept his promise. At once, he led the way through the winding paths of the garden until they came to the palace gate. Now Joyful was shut into a dark dungeon to wait the hour when the princess was to hold counsel, to listen to the prayers of her suitors and the wishes of her people. Poor Joyful. This is the end of my happy time, he said to himself. The princess will now dismiss me if she does no worse. She will have no charity for a trespasser in her garden, of which she is so jealous. I may not tell her how her fair maiden met me there and urged me to remain. I cannot tell, for that might bring trouble upon the flower maiden, whom, alas, I may never see again. So he mused, wondering wistfully that she should have left him without a word. But there was no blame for her in his heart. He loved her so dearly. It was afternoon when the gardener opened the cell of Joyful and bade him follow to the great hall of the palace, where the princess would hear his crime and appoint his punishment. With a heavy heart, he followed down the white marble corridors on the heel of the giant gardener, who muttered to himself as they went. Now and then he would turn to look at Joyful and shake his head, as though foreseeing for him some dreadful punishment. At last, they came to a great hall, carpeted with green and sealed with blue, while the walls were of rosy pink. At the further end of the hall was a throne of gold, and upon it sat the Princess Florette. But Joyful dared not lift his eyes to look at her. He walked slowly down the hall after the gardener, and they took their stand near the throne, but behind the first rank of people. These were the brightly dressed attendants upon a great prince, who had come that day to woo the princess. Even at that moment, the herald was calling out his names and titles. Fortman, Prince of Calabria, Knight of the Silver Feather, Captain of a Hundred Spears. The Prince Fortman himself bowed before the throne, while his attendants stood behind him, bearing most wonderful gifts for the royal lady. There were cases of jewels, pieces of rich silks and furs, singing birds in cages, little monkeys, and other curious pets from far lands. There were never finer presents than those which the Prince Fortman brought to the Princess Florette. A chorus of, oh, 
went up from the maids of honor when they saw the richness of these gifts. But Joyful dared not even look up to see if his flower maiden were among the white-robed band. He feared to betray her to the fierce eyes of the gardener, who was watching him closely. The Prince Fortman made his speech very prettily, offering the princess his heart and hand, and all his riches, as well as his kingdom beyond the seas, to which he hoped to carry her. Then the princess spoke in answer, very gently, and the sound of her voice was like music in the hall. I have no wish to leave my own little kingdom of flowers, she said. I am happy and contented here. I have no wish to exchange hearts, save with him who understands mine well. Let him find it where it is already bestowed, among my flowers. Choose my favorite flower, dear prince, and I am yours. At the sound of her voice, Joyful was startled, and for the first time looked up. There she sat upon the golden throne, his own dear flower maiden, she who had met him for three mornings in the garden. But now she wore no coarse green gown. She was robed all in white, from her head to her little feet, which were shod with gold. A golden girdle she wore and a golden band confined her golden hair. She glanced at Joyful as she spoke the last words to the prince, and Joyful was sure that her eyes twinkled. Instantly, a bold thought came into his head, for he was a bold fellow. He had been brought to her as a trespasser, ready for punishment. He would remain as a suitor. This princess was his little playmate. He could not, would not lose her. Had she not three times called him a prince? He would woo her then, like any prince. But now the princess was speaking again, and this time she looked straight at him. Whom have we here, good gardener? She asked, trying to force a little frown. A trespasser, your highness, answered the gardener in his gruff voice, hustling joyful to the foot of the throne. A trespasser who I found in your royal garden this morning at a disgustingly early hour, sitting with a fair maiden among the lavenders strumming on a lute. I saw not the face of the girl, but I fancy she must be one of your own maids of honor. She also should be punished for listening to the music of the wicked youth. A little cry of horror 
arose from the happy group about the princess as they looked at one another, wondering who the shocking early riser could be. The princess looked sharply at Joyful and said, Tell us the name of the maiden, sir, and you shall be pardoned of your grievous fault. Joyful looked up at the princess and said gently, Lady, I will tell her name to you and to you alone, if you ask it, though I think that you guessed it already. But first, I pray you, hear my suit, for I also have come here as a suitor. At these words, the princess startled and her cheeks flushed. The gardener seized Joyful by the arm to drag him away, but Florette made a sign for him to stand back. Let the stranger speak, she said, and let him show, if he can, why, instead of being punished, he should be welcomed as one of our suitors. Then Joyful knelt on the lowest step of the throne and laid at his maiden's feet his sword and his lute and the bag which he always wore at his side. Fair princess, he said, I come with scanty gifts and with no attendance, poor and alone. But all that I have, I offer you. My sword for your protection, my music for your joy, my little learning for your aid in sickness and in health. To atone for my boldness in forcing your garden gate, I offer the services of these for as long as you will have them. And I also offer my merry heart, as true and faithful as that of any prince in the world, but more loving than any. At this saying, the Prince Fortman pushed forward indignantly. You shall not listen to these idle words, O princess, he cried. This fellow has no right to speak thus to you. He is no prince. He is but a wandering minstrel and vagabond. Let him be sent away from the gates. Aye, let him be sent away, echoed the gardener and others, and they jostled closer as if to seize him. But Joyful still knelt at the feet of his flower maiden, not at all afraid. The princess rose and, stamping her little foot, angrily commanded her people to be quiet. Then she spoke to Joyful, and the anger was gone from her voice. It is true you are no prince, she said. What have you to say in reply to this prince's word? Am I no prince? He answered, looking her straight in the eyes. The fairest princess in the world has three times named me prince. Prince of minstrels, Prince of doctors, Prince of teachers. Does that not make me a prince indeed? There was a silence in the hall at this bold answer. 
Then Florette beckoned to her the wise man of the court, a wise man dressed all in black, with a long white beard and hair like silver thistledown. Oh, wise man, if a princess gave him these titles, is he indeed a prince? She asked, and her voice was eager. The wise man thought for a little time and then nodded gravely three times. I, my princess, so it is written in the book of true chivalry. If he has been so honored, he is indeed, and in degree, a prince. No, cried the Prince Fortman. I say no, she has not also named him the Prince of Courage. The book of true chivalry declares that he is not a real prince if he cannot do battle nobly for his lady's sake. That will I gladly do, said Joyful eagerly. I can wield the sword as well as any prince alive. The cheeks of the princess glowed brightly. Let him prove it, Prince Fortman, she cried. You shall punish him for his fault and for his boast, if his words prove false. But if he can bear himself the better man, he shall be called a worthy suitor like yourself and shall have an equal chance with you. Fortman grumbled and looked sulky, for he felt ashamed to fight with a wandering adventurer. But since the princess so commanded, there was nothing for him but to obey. He drew his jeweled sword and Joyful lifted his plain one from where it lay on the steps of the throne. The courtiers made a ring about the two, and the fencing bout began. One, two, one, two. The bright blades flashed, and the two lads turned one another the about, seeking each the advantage. They were both skillful fencers, but the watchers soon saw that Joyful was the better man. He thrust and parried. At last, with a sudden jump and twist, he sent the weapon spinning from the hand of Fortman. Away across the hall it flew, and with red face and scowling brow, the prince was forced to seek it where it fell. Well done, well done, cried the crowd, clapping their hands forgetting the fault of Joyful in the wonder of his bravery. And, well done, cried Florette. I, a princess, name you, in addition to your other titles, the Prince of Courage. Arise, Prince Joyful. Your suit is answered thus, as I answer every prince who does me the honor to seek my hand. If you, be the very prince for me, you will know where to find my heart. Seek it where it is hidden in my garden. My heart is with my favorite flower. Farewell, my princes both. An hour before noontide tomorrow, I will hold audience. Then 
he who is to be punished and he is to be rewarded shall learn their fate. Saying this, she rose and stepping lightly down from the throne, passed out of the hall. Immediately, all the lords and ladies followed her, leaving the two suitors alone together. Then the Prince Fortman scowled at Joyful, and Joyful scowled back at him. And they went out of the hall by opposite doors, for they did not like each other. Joyful was moving slowly away when the gardener approached and touched him on the shoulder. How now must I return to the dungeon as a criminal? asked Joyful, flushing red. Nay, matters have changed, my lord prince, answered the gardener. You seem no longer a trespasser, but a suitor. I do not understand how the seesaw has tilted so suddenly, but certainly you are to be lodged in no dungeon cell. My lady has given orders that you be shown to a chamber as fine as that of Prince Fortman himself. Come with me if it please you. Joyful was then taken to a little chamber, not high, but very pleasant. Looking out upon the garden through a window, latticed with vines. You are free to come and go, master, said the gardener and left him with a low bow. Now, by the time all these things were finished, it was late in the day, and Joyful said to himself, I will not search for the precious flower tonight. I know that my dear flower maiden prefers the early morning garden, and among the freshly opened buds which I have seen her caress so kindly, must be the one she loves the best. I will now seek sleep, for I am very weary. But early will I waken tomorrow morning to seek the flower which is most dear to her. So Joyful lay down on his bed and was soon asleep, dreaming sweetly of the morrow, for he did not doubt that he should find the right and only flower, since he loved the princess so dearly that he must at last read her secret.